Hey, everyone. Hi. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Alice. Hey, Res- now. Greg, what are you doing here? Hey, what do you mean? What I- Allison, where do you, you come from, Greg? I came from the world of childish, and I just want to make sure that your listeners know that you're just as wonderful on the on the other podcast you do. What if they don't have kids? Don't need them. You don't need them. A lot of our listeners actually tell us they don't have kids. We talk about sex. We talk about all sorts of dirty stuff, but also parenting stuff. Yeah, so. Check out Childish. New episodes every Wednesday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey everyone, hi, hello, welcome to a very exciting episode of Allison Rosen is Your New Best Friend. I am back in my pod cabin. I've got the whole remote setup going now. In here I have, it's very elegant, I've got um, a cord stretching from the modem, or it could be the router, I don't know, in my house, all the way (laughs) out, (laughs) dangling in the grass and coming under the door into the pod cabin, which is outside. Uh, but this is sort of a step up from when I was back recording in the house. But I'm very excited to announce my remote guest. He is a writer, a TV producer, arguably a TV executive. He's also a former regular on my Thursday show and a fan favorite and a new dad. It's Greg Heller. Hello. Welcome. Hi, Allison. How you Thank doing? you for having me. So here's the thing, Greg. I've gone yeah. rogue a little bit because lately the way I start shows is I chat with Tony Thaxton, my producer, at the top while we make, make the guest wait awkwardly there and they never know if they can jump in or not. So then I've started saying to them like, okay, we're going to talk at the top a little bit and then we'll bring you in. Um, and the very first remote recording I did with uh, Otsuko Okatsuka. Do you know her? She hosts Let's Go Otsuko. I don't, I don't know her. I know who she is. She was great. She's very funny. Yes, yeah. she was awesome. And I had Tony like in on the recording the entire time too. And it started getting glitchy and warbly. And I think because it was just asking too much of the internet right now to have an extra person. So he doesn't even know you and I are doing this recording. I feel, I know if I had enough time ahead of time, I was going to maybe talk to him like beforehand and then have him drop off and then bring you in. But as it is, like I said, I've gone rogue. Do you judge me? I do not judge you. I mean, yes, I judge you, but not, I just judge people. So <laughs> not judge. I just, I am a, I judge people in general. So yes, I judge you because you're a person, but not for that activity. Oh yeah. You are fairly judgmental. Like what is your uh, judgment of me as a person? I think you're fine. Oh, thank you. Um, I think you're a good person, Allison. I, uh, if I spend a lot of time with you, I would probably have stuff to say about how you drive and the food you eat and the music you listen to. Mm. I don't think we've um, ever driven together. I've we dri- have. I've been in your car, but I've never been driving when you've been in my car. Have I? Although I feel like you might be a good driver. Are you a good driver? I'm, um, I'm not 
like I don't get in a lot of accidents or any accidents really. I have a very bad sense of direction and I'm overly cautious. So I feel like that would actually make you think I'm a poor driver. How close do you sit to the steering wheel? Like a, a like can your arms fully extend? If I push myself into the back of the seat, I like to be a little closer than fully extended. I don't like to like I don't like to feel like I could take a nap while I'm driving. Is that are you in the back seat when you drive? I'm pretty laid back. Do you, do you violate any of the ethical rules of driving? Do you use the a merge lane to pass? Do you merge late when you know you have to get over like when you're coming over the Sepulveda pass to get I, on the 101? I only merge late. In the left lane. Yeah. I only merge late <clears throat> if I'm like, "Oh fuck, I got to get over there." I don't do it as a tactic. Okay. Do you curb sneak at stop signs? Do you ever do you ever get in the right-hand turn lane and then go straight? No, that makes me very nervous. Okay. Yeah, so it sounds fine. Thank you. Like those are a few of the big ones for me that would write you off, that I would have to write you off. But those are the like, any of those things, not a big fan of. Now, what kind of food judgments? Because you know I eat all sorts of weird shit, and I don't mean like yeah. cod sperm like you. I want to be clear about something. I have judged your food. I am judgmental about your food. Um, it doesn't mean I doesn't, I don't, I'm not judging you as a person. I'm judging you as an eater. Yeah. But I'm a giant, I'm like a tremendous food snob. Has that been established? I think it has been. Yes. So the, yeah. henceforth, I don't think I needed the fourth there, but I wanted to make the word bigger. Hence, I would like to right. know your judgments <laughs> of my, my food, food behavior. I'm almost uncomfortable talking about this because I, I realize sometimes when I'm talking to my friends that I'm so out of touch with the way people eat that really the judgment should all be on me. Like I was telling someone the other day that it was really civilian to just have Cholula and Tapatio in your house. <laughs> and then I listed like the five other Mexican hot sauces that I feel like are requisite in any refrigerator. And the person I was talking to was like, I've never heard of any of them. Well, try me. Let's see if I've heard of them. Have you heard of Weechol? Nope. Very common Mexican hot sauce. Wait, I would like um, to see if I can spell. Okay, it's Weechol. Yeah. Oh, it's been so long since I have studied Spanish that I can't even figure out where the W sound would come from. Um, <laughs> O-I-C-H-U-L. That's wrong. It's H-U-I-C-H-O-L. Oh, yeah. Um, like Weechel, Buffalo, um, Victoria, any other. Like there's 20 common Mexican hot sauces. For some reason, Americans only eat two of them. What about like Tostitos or Pace? I'm um, Taco Bell. Pace is almost, Pace is too authentic for most Americans. Really? But if you go into rural Mexico, no, not really. No, that's a joke. <laughs> I'm so <dumb. laughs> Any like, any... Any self-respecting Mexican would not be eating salsa that has a little pop top on it. <laughs> Nor would they be using scoops. You right. never really are like cruising around rural Mexico and someone offers you some scoops. Have you is- heard um, <clears throat> my husband Daniel's diatribe against salsa jars that have such a narrow neck that you can't get your chip in the jar? I haven't. I, I understand the basis of that argument. This is we're getting into the territory now where in order for me to continue talking, I have to become an asshole. Oh like now we ha- are? Yes. 
but like I feel like at a certain age you have to transcend like that kind of salsa. Do you feel like at a certain age you have to use a, a bowl for your salsa? It's not about eating out of the container. Okay. It's about why you're buying salsa in that kind of a container. Greg Heller, what is your most controversial food opinion? And then I want to get to some stuff that's less relatable, that being (laughs) parenthood. (laughs) What is my most controversial food opinion? Actually, could it be that you pronounce controversial controversial? You say it? You just said controversial. No, but now you say it. Controversial. You say controversial. What? Uh, Should I? Controversial. You say it as though that last part of it is S-H-E-L, controversial. S-H-L, controversial. Or, you know, T-I-A-L. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I think I might say it weird. I think I say it weird. Controversial. Yeah, I say it. Because it's a controversy. Well, so it yeah. should be controversial. Well, okay. Um, agree to disagree. And now how do you say yeah. P-A-R-M-E-S-A-N? P-A-R... P-A-R-M-E-S-A-N? Yeah, the cheese. How do you say that? Oh, Parmesan. And I say Parmesan. Right. I don't think you spelled it right. I think I did. P-A-R-M-A-S-E-A-N. P-A-R... You know what? This is not good content. Or maybe it is. I don't know. It's from Parma. Like ham. Parmesan. Oh. So maybe I... Well, regardless, I say Parmesan. And they're both correct. This came up on the show. Okay. Noted. Is it weird to not look have... Look at This is actual prosciutto di Parma right here that I happen to have at the table as a prop that I'm going to eat for lunch today. Look at just that. So for the listeners at home, you just held up... Um, a packet of prosciutto. Prosciutto de farm, yeah. I'm eating very well during lockdown. Can I tell you that? Please like, do. I am cooking and eating extremely well. And I'm having like a really good time cooking and eating. And can I tell you something else that's happened to me during, um, what do you and Daniel call it? I call it lockdown. What do you call it? Um, we've been calling it, yeah, lockdown, quarantine, shelter in place. That's what we've been um, calling it. So I went when right around the time the baby was born, I went like three weeks or something without drinking. Oh, wow. And like I did it like I think I'm using this right. I did it unconsciously or whatever. I didn't say I'm going to not drink. I just didn't drink. Uh Um, I didn't smoke pot. I didn't do anything. And then like right when lockdown started to get bad, I was shopping and I started looking at bottles of liquor and I was like, oh, I want to have liquor in the house again. And I haven't purchased hard alcohol to be in our house in like three years Mm -hmm. there's been like voluminous quantities of of beer and wine but i stopped buying hard alcohol because i was just drinking it too much and i realized this week that i was finally drinking for the most common reason which is and like to take your mind off of stuff oh yeah i never i never drank to do that I've never drank or done drugs to, I've always drunk, drank. I've always drank and done drugs to think more about stuff. Oh. I've never had any, I've never had any escapist desire. 
I've only had like an immersion desire. And so, sorry, go ahead. Like, and so I realized this week that like I was finishing work or things were getting really stressful and I was like, fuck, I want to drink. And I was never, I never thought that way in my life ever. The first time I've ever been like, oh, I can't wait to have a drink. I have never thought like that. That's so interesting. Um, and I'm, you're talking to someone who's like a pretty, a pretty heavy lifelong drinker. Uh-huh. And this is really, I can pretty honestly say for the first time, like last week, I started going like, shit, I really want to drink. I want my mind to shut down. I never really did that. That's so interesting. Is that weird? Interest. Yeah. I I actually, so I don't, I don't drink anymore, but I remember a specific moment in New York. I was very frustrated with life and with my roommate situation um, and, and work. And I was like, oh man, I, I just, I just want to have a drink. And that was sort of an alarming thought for me. Um, Right. That's so interesting. I, I would have, I, it's so interesting that, I can understand certain drugs to make you think more, but that, that drinking would allow you to sort of think more about stuff is interesting to me. It also, drinking just shifted my headspace. It made me like giddier or like it made me, um, it made me like observe like the world in a different way. And it's sort of like, it also like, I have so many memories associated with drinking that it like put me into certain memories that were really like pleasing for me, mm-hmm. but I never thought of it as like a way to turn my brain off right. ever. I never really thought of it. Anything as yoga. I thought of as a way to turn my brain off, but almost everything else I didn't think of that way. Um, and it's actually been kind of nice and I drink less. It's weird. Um, I have like two drinks and I'm like, okay, I accomplished that thing and now I can function for the rest of my night or whatever. So- anyway, that's the, that's like locked out. Um, and also, I have a baby, so I can't get drunk. Obviously, like I have to take care of a baby. Was the reason that you weren't uh, unintentionally weren't, or yeah, was the reason that you weren't drinking prior to the baby coming? Was it because you just didn't want to be like in a different space in case something happened emergency wise? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to be. You didn't want to be like buzzed if your wife goes into labor, right? Um, but also, just like I wanted to start getting healthy. I wanted to like take care of, take better care of myself. And I've been trying really hard to take better care of myself and all that shit. And I'm not really surfing right now. So I don't do anything. So Greg, what is it like? Yes. Uh, what is it like being on lockdown with a newborn? And also tell me about the birth and just all of that. It's very weird to be on lockdown with a newborn. It's very weird. Um, there's a, there's a lot of like, Oh, this is so blissful. We're staring at our new baby kind of counterbalanced with like, what is happening in the world that will affect this baby? Mm-hmm. I've, I've never in my life had a like thought of the world is getting worse. I've never thought that. I've never thought that. I've never thought I shouldn't be bringing a baby into this world. I've never thought like things are worse now than they used to be. I've never thought anything like that. I still don't really think things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have definitely thought recently, I mean, since having the baby, if like, if the world is going to be safe for him. Right. We, we got out of the hospital, like right before lockdown happened. I mean, if he had been born like three days later, I don't know what it would have been like. Mm-hmm. Um, we just, just got out of there. No one has met our baby. <laughs> my parents, my mom and stepdad have seen our baby for like five minutes and I all as parents have seen him because they flew out here. But like, I have 
like my entire family is here and my aunts, uncles, cousins, friends, not a single one of my friends has seen my baby. That's so weird. Not a single one of them. The only four people who have seen my baby are her parents and my parents. And that's it. No one has seen the baby. So that's also really strange. I mean, it's probably not entirely dissimilar to what it's like to have a newborn regularly when you just sort of sequester in your house. Right. It's just an extreme version of that. Right. Right. Because at the beginning, before the baby gets vaccines, in general, you definitely try to limit who is around the baby, but not to the degree that you are. No. I mean, I want people to see our baby. I'm like really excited about him and I love him and he's cool, but... um, so far, we obviously can't do that. I mean, I guess like the mailman has seen him a couple of times and um, <laughs> our neighbors have seen him once, but it sucks. Like that part of it, I'd love to be able to share him with my friends and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also calming to have him there. Like those moments when we are really quiet with him and looking at him, you kind of forget everything that's happening and you feel really laser focused on him. Right. And that part is great. I mean, I, I have... I'm really into having a baby. This is probably not surprising to you, but like (laughs) I am really into it. I'm not like, it doesn't seem hard to me. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it will get hard, but all of this stuff so far, like the thing shits all the time. And like, I don't care. You stay up a bunch at night and I've stayed up a bunch at night anyway. Like none of it so far seems that challenging to be granted. Like I don't have to breastfeed and I don't have to do a lot of the hard stuff. But so far, it all just seems really like natural and and mostly really fun to me. Are you tired? Not really. I'm not. I'm not like if I ever got got five hours sleep in a night, it's a miracle anyway. Uh I'm not super tired. You have terrible sleep Um, hygiene. I have horrible sleep hygiene. I'm not super tired. I mean, there were a couple, there have been rough nights, but Ayala is probably much more exhausted than I am. I get, you know, four hours of sleep a night and that's totally fine with me. Mm -hmm. Um, No, I'm not super tired. I'm, I feel fine. I feel like energetic and fine. And I'm like excited for every minute I get to spend with him. I love giving him baths and he's he's just an awesome kid. So I'm not, it's also weird because everyone who's seen pictures of him tells me how much he looks like me. Yes. I see that too. But I think you just don't know what you look like Uh because I look at him and I'm like, is that what I look like? And sometimes Ayala actually freaks out and laughs when she's looking at me because she says that I just look like Ellis with an enormous head. <laughs> uh, um, or she'll like laugh sometimes when he's, when we're watching him sleep. Cause she's like, that's exactly what you look like when you sleep. And I don't know what I look like when I sleep. You know? <laughs> so um, anyway, it's all great. Uh, we have had like the most insane four months that anyone could ever imagine having. Yeah. What has like, been going on? Cause you, like in fact, even dating back to last year, like I, about this time last year, I sold a pilot mm-hmm. that I thought was going to be like my future. Not that I thought it was going to be a series, but I thought it's what I would be working on, like pitching it and selling it. And after we sold it, it just kind of sat there for a while. Was that the one that you, where you were working with a director who was on the East coast? He was. He now lives in Los Angeles. Okay. Um, but it was a drama, right? No, it's a comedy. It's um, it's a comedy, and it's still alive. It's just nothing has happened to it. Mm-hmm. And I sort of had a lot of in my emotional life invested in it. And also, financially, like, after we wrote it, I didn't work for a long time. Um, and so we didn't have, like, a great financial year. 
actually was up. I was up for one really big job that I didn't end up getting mm-hmm. that I thought I was going to get. And then I started working at the end of last year. And then in like December or January, we went to move all the furniture out of my office to build the nursery. And we discovered like our walls were covered in mold and water damage. And Wait, we had where was it behind? Like where in the wall was it? Was it behind the furniture? Well, a lot of it was inside of the wall, but I had like an enormous desk and bookshelf and it was like smack dab behind all of that it was just like pitch black with mold. Ugh. Um, I don't know how long it had been there for, but obviously we didn't know about it or we wouldn't have stayed there. Right. And uh, so we had to basically evacuate our house and it was not an easy process to move when, when I was working full time, I was that pregnant. Um, I wouldn't say it was like a peaceful process with, our landlord. Right. And um, it was really challenging. We had to find a new place to live like really quickly. They tore our house apart. In the middle of them tearing our house apart, we found out that our cat had cancer. Oh, no. Um, which like our cat had to have surgery and it was a giant nightmare. Oh. When they were, there was actually kind of a funny story about it. He had like a tumor on his neck. And when they were tearing our house apart, I was leaving work one day and Ayala called me and she said, the workers splattered blood all over our bathroom and they didn't clean it up. And I was like, oh my God, that's so disgusting. And I was driving home from work and I was (laughs) going to go over to one of the contractor's houses and just like tee off on him. Yeah. And then I started thinking and I was like, well, I should probably, let me go see it before I like make a big deal about this. Mm-hmm. And when I got into the bathroom, I noticed like the splatter pattern of the blood was really low mm. and like kind of up against the baseboards. And then I was like, I wonder if that tumor on the cat's neck exploded. And sure enough, it was cat blood that had sprayed all over our bathroom. Ugh, so wait, uh, where's the funny, the, the funny story? Well, the funny thing is that like, I basically did like, an NCI, I did like an NCIS, like cat forensics in our house. <laughs> right. I'm joking. Like, it's fine. And I was basically like, this is a feline blood splatter. And, and then, you know, we had to take the cat in for surgery. And when they removed it, they were like, your cat has cancer. Oh. And so we had like a cancerous cat. We were living in a rental house. Wait, do you, not, was, do you not still have the cat? The cat lived. Oh, good. We had the tumor removed. They got decent margins on him. Good. We are supposed to go in for more tests, which we haven't done yet. Um, but, you know, we were living in a rental house with a cancerous cat. I was working full time. We were dealing with our insurance company nonstop. Ayala was, you know, seven, eight, nine months pregnant. And it was just like constant stress just constant like stress. And then like, not something I want to get into in detail, but a very close family member got really sick in this period too. Oh no. And so we had no like nesting period. Yeah, We had nowhere to put the baby stuff. Our stuff was in two storage spaces and two garages and a rental house. And we were getting ready to have our baby. And it was very stressful, very interesting way to test the like strength of your marriage. Right. And then, and also I was working a job for which I was literally production was supposed to start like the week the baby was born. And I was supposed to go to like Florida, Colorado, Chicago, Toronto, and possibly Mexico city. 
Which job? Was, which which show is that? Or can you not say? It's a show that I'm still on now that I can tell you is a comedy about the Olympics. Ah. Um. So a lot of our shoots got canceled, mm-hmm. but the first one did not. Anyway, and then a little early, not super early, but earlier than we thought. I all went into labor, and it was crazy. Like labor, that was definitely the craziest thing I've ever seen watching a woman labor. We did a lot of the laboring at home. Um, she was in labor for like 27 hours or something. Oh my God. And we did like the first 12 or something at home, maybe a little longer. And that was crazy. Um, and then we went to the hospital and had a baby, which was like the coolest thing that's ever happened to me. And I don't really know like what to tell you about it. I mean, you've had a couple of babies. I have. Yes. Two have um, passed from my loins. But I was there for the whole thing and I watched the whole thing and I like grabbed the baby and like cut the cord and watched the baby come out of her. And it was amazing. It's one of those things like, not, I'm not saying this to sound like feministy or whatever, but it was like something that I watched and I was like, oh, women are better than men. <laughs> like a lot of this stuff, like the dumb existential stuff that I've been fixated on my whole life, like it's not gendered in any way. Mm-hmm. Men sort of think it's gendered, but it's not. Like there's no, anybody could understand any of that shit, but no man can understand what it's like to have a baby. Right. And I just sort of realized like, oh, your, your purpose here is much higher than mine. Huh. I mean, you're in a room, like it felt like, you know, I was in one of those Victorian paintings mm-hmm. where a bunch of like handmaidens or whatever are surrounding a woman giving birth. <laughs> And every now and then I would jump in and someone would just yell like, shut up or that's wrong. Or Ayala would say like, don't fucking do that. No one cares. And you realize like, oh, I'm, I have no real function here. Did that, um, how did that make you feel? Fine. Made me feel fine. At one point, actually, Ayala was like, told the midwife, she was like, I'm sorry, I'm talking to my husband like that. And I was like, Ayala, this is not important. Have a baby. I felt fine. I don't care. Who cares? If you're, you're, you should try and take your ego out of having a baby, I think. You should, um, but that's hard for some people. I mean, it's hard, it's hard for people often to like disengage from their ego. I was, it was not hard for me. I hope that doesn't sound arrogant, but it wasn't. And no. I mostly just sat there crying. Like I cried almost the whole time. And it was, I mean, it, it was the coolest thing that I've ever seen. If, even if I wasn't involved in it, it was amazing to watch. And the fact that it was my kid and, you know, we didn't know what we were having. Right. Um, so the baby came out and the midwife was like, all right, it's time to find out what your child is. And I have this memory that for like 20 minutes, I was like fumbling through gauze and like haze and fog to find the thing's dick. <laughs> really, it was like one second, right. obviously. But I was just like, and I, I thought we were having a girl. Why? In my brain. Because I, because I had always wanted a girl. Uh-huh. And so I think I had like talked myself into the fact that it was a girl. There was no reason why. In fact, the whole time Ayala was pregnant, everyone assumed we were lying about not knowing. Right. Interesting. Like my family kept calling and saying like, just tell me, just tell me. And I was like, (laughs) we really don't know. We found out like in that exact moment when I saw Ellis's hog for the first moment, like (laughs) that's the moment we found out. And, and then I was like looking at it and I was like, I think that's a boy. I think it's a boy. And then the midwife was like, yeah, it's a boy. And I was like, oh, we had a boy. Wow, we had a boy. Um, and then I handed, and then the, the baby started, you know, doing the breast crawl or whatever, like immediately. It uh-huh. was super cool. Um, 
we also thought that we were going to have a girl. And we found out early. But um, right. yeah, I don't know why. I just, both Daniel and I had it in our heads that it was going to be a girl. My sister, who has boys, also had it in her head. Um, and the other thing I was going to say was, so I had a doula for my first birth, and that whole experience was not good. Um, it was not her fault, but just the whole thing was was very, I've talked about it at length. It was, it was really tr- tough. Um, it was a very traumatic birth. And then for my second, I wanted everything to be different. Um, so I didn't have a doula, and I had asked Daniel, can you be my support person? Um, like, do research, which was, I tasked him with a huge thing, and he felt like I was setting him up to fail, but he bought a book called The Birth Partner and he read it and he really like was ready to help me with all these things and different exercises and like we had practiced different ways of him touching me. And then when I was actually in labor, all I just kept yelling, don't touch me, don't touch me. <laughs> but right. he was fine with um, it. Similar experience, although we had a doula. Yeah. We did have a doula. Our, my, I don't know what the normal birth experience was like, I think ours was like A plus. That's good. I was happy with the hospital. The midwives were great. The doula was amazing. The aftercare was incredible. I didn't even realize what the fuck was going on. Mm-hmm. Like I kept apologizing. They would like come in and be like, oh, let us take your laundry. And I'd be like, you don't have to do our laundry. I can do our laundry. <laughs> Show me where it is. And they, and I didn't realize like the hospital is like a hotel. It kind of, yeah. Like they would swaddle the baby and I'd be like, you don't have to swaddle the baby. I can swaddle the baby. Um, and then by the, like somewhere around the second day, I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, swaddle the thing. I'm going to I'm gonna catch some shut eye. Um, <laughs> I actually – Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was going to say, were you happy with your doctor? We didn't have a doctor. You didn't have a doctor at all? Oh, did you do midwives at UCLA? Yeah, we just used midwives. Oh, wow. I guess I've heard about this. Um, and yes, I, I was thrilled with every person who cared for us on every level – when the in and around the birth of the baby, I, I think did a stellar job. So then if you don't have a doctor, who do you go to for checkups? We have like a pediatric group we go to. They just didn't give our give birth to our baby. Our midwife did. No, I mean who did you go to when I always Oh, pregnant? oh, oh. Well at some point you just transition to the midwives and you only go to your OBGYN for scheduled God, I just fucking keep calling them mammograms for <laughs> ultrasounds. scheduled ultrasounds. Yeah. Um, and, but we only saw that person like when we needed an ultrasound. Otherwise, every checkup was with the midwives. And tell me about your decision to not, not use a doctor, but to instead use midwives at a hospital. Uh, I didn't make that decision. <laughs> that's, that's the decision. I mean, with everything pertaining to the baby, unless I thought something was really going to endanger the baby, I all made the decision. Right. Well, I don't know that much about that program. Um, it was recommended to me, though, after my kind of horrid first experience, but it's just right. too far from where I live. But, but it seems in a way kind of like the best of both worlds because you have elements of a birthing center, but you're in a hospital. So the well, right now, right now with, with lockdown going on, I think hospitals are a place that everyone wants to avoid. But under normal circumstances, you know, the danger of a birthing center is what if something happens? Can they get you to a hospital fast enough? So doing the midwives at a hospital, it's like, is, it's very safe. It was great. And I think like, again, I've only been to one birth, but I think it felt as human and, un, and non-clinical as a birth can feel. Right. 
That's great. That was my yeah. my um my beef, one of my beefs with my uh with my experience. I mean, a lot of shit went sideways, but uh I just felt like it was just uh like a factory and and they I was just like on a conveyor belt and they they didn't care about me personally at all. I was just this like blob that housed a baby and it was like in and out and very impersonal. Yeah, I never ever felt that way. Ever. I felt like everybody cared entirely about everything we were doing. I never felt that way. Speaking um, I Go ahead. I loved it. Um I have so much so many good things to say about the way that the birth happened. Um I was going to tell you something. I made a note to tell you something here. Um people I had a really interesting experience the morning after the baby was born. Did you have people just continually telling you you were going to become a different person? Um, no, not that so much, but I had people telling me that like it, everything was going to kind of be instantaneous. And then for me, it wasn't really. Right. Um, let me tell you two really interesting things that happened to me after the baby was born. Okay. Um, the, the morning after the baby was born, I went for a walk to go get a cup of coffee and there was a building under construction across from you, not under construction. Um, there's like a staples across from UCLA and it had a sign in one of the windows that said no sitting or smoking on ledge. Uh-huh. And I started staring at it and I realized like, why does it say no sitting or smoking? Like either you're sitting there or you're not sitting there. What is the relevance of smoking in the note? Right. Um, unless they're worried that people are going to stand there. Do you understand what I'm saying? Tell me again where this sign was. I'm trying to picture it. It was on like a window ledge outside of a building. And it said and no. Sign, no sitting or smoking on ledge. Yeah. It, to me, it sounds like it's saying don't do either. Don't, we don't, it's, it's like right, right. But two if you're signs not in one. There, it doesn't make a difference. Well, they don't want you because, standing there smoking either. But why would it say on ledge? You're not going to stand on the ledge. Right. Okay. The only thing you can do on the ledge, the only activity you can do on the ledge is sit. You can't sit and smoke? Sure you can. But if you can't sit, then you can't sit and smoke. Oh, I see. Sorry. Slow here. Yes, I get it. And yes. I realized as I was having this exact same conversation with myself that I was like, oh, I'm still the same person. <laughs> right. I was like, I have a baby and like I and I walked the whole time I was walking to coffee instead of sitting thinking about my beautiful baby. I was just like, why doesn't it just say no sitting? <laughs> like there's no reason to say no sitting or smoking. It's just like controlly and assholeish <laughs> and like and I I like started thinking that I was like, would it be weird if on the way back I went into the store which was a Staples and I said to them like, "Hey, can we talk about this sign? It doesn't need to say both of these things." <laughs> And then I was like, well, I guess I should just go back to the hospital with my wife's food or whatever. <laughs> um, so that was my moment where I realized like, I was like, oh, I'm the same. <laughs> uh, and then that afternoon, I went to another store. I told you this story, but this is the most incredible thing that happened to me around the birth of the baby. Um, I went to another store to get more food. Um, because hospital food doesn't taste that good, obviously. It's surprisingly bad. Yeah, it's it's very hack. 
Like in the way that like airline food <laughs> yeah. is like not that good. The hospital food, I wanted it to be good so it wasn't hack. Right. But it, it is hack. And and the apples are all red delicious and mm-hmm. they're wrapped in plastic. It's very hack. Yeah. So so anyway, <laughs> I I was at the store waiting in line and I've been awake now for like three days or whatever. And this woman, when I was checking out, looked at me and she goes, did you have a baby? And kind of without thinking, I went, yeah. And then I pulled out my phone and I started showing her a picture of my baby. And she was looking at it. And then I was like, wait, how do you know I had a baby? And she goes, oh, you were in here yesterday morning. And you, I asked you if you had any big plans for the day. And you said, yeah, we're having a baby. And I had forgotten everything that had happened the day before. Like, I, I forgot the whole thing. And it was almost like this woman was talking to me from my past life. Wow. Does that make sense? Yes. And, and all of everything that had happened to me in the last day, like, came rushing back to me. And I, like, burst into hysterical tears. Oh, wow. And... And she came around the counter and like put her arm around me. Aww. And then this like other random stranger put their arm around me. And I like kind of like, like fell over a little bit. Uh-huh. And I started like saying like, I'm crying because I'm happy. And this is like in a grocery store. <laughs> and, and then I like kind of picked myself up and I paid for my groceries and I left. But it was definitely like, something it was a really incredible moment that I'll remember it for the rest of my life I know like it sounds like I'm making the birth about me or whatever no but it was but it was this weird like line of demarcation between my old and new life uh-huh and and I actually said to the teller checker do you say checker what do you call him the uh Bank I, I would say teller. clerk clerk um and I said like I, through tears, I said to her, I was like, I'm sorry, I know we don't know each other. I'm sorry, I don't, but you're a part of my story. I know we don't know each other, but you became a part of my story. And she was like this 27-year-old, like, grocery store person uh-huh. who was really cool, but was like sort of a witness to this extreme emotional moment that this stranger was having. And it was like kind of the, one of the things I will remember most most about the birth of our son is that moment in a market. And it's like, even now you're not, you can't see me, but I'm like still, I cry a little bit every time I tell the story. Uh It just seemed like this really amazing thing that I forgot so much in a short period of time that all came rushing back to me. And it was almost like at that moment in the store, I realized like, Oh my God, I have a baby. Right. Like until then Ellis was just like, he was obviously he was, I knew he was our baby and I loved him, but there was something, I think it was in that moment I realized like, oh, I'm a person with a baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your identity changed. Yeah. Um, and it was really a really special moment, actually. I like want to go find that woman and talk to her and like take a picture with her and stuff. I just haven't done it yet because I don't want to talk to anyone or touch anyone or be near <laughs> anyone for fear of death. Right. Otherwise I totally would have done it. Yes. Yeah, that was back in the days when you could hug someone so recently. Right before the end of the, right before the hugging embargo kicked in. <laughs> right. Oh, that's such a sweet story. Yeah, um, sweet? yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that sometimes these momentous moments, that's redundant. 
No, it's fine. You can say it. Thank you. About the birth of your kid, maybe happen not with the kid exactly because a baby is still like pretty conceptual at the beginning. Yes. Yes, they are very conceptual. Um, Allison, I am currently texting you an image of the sign, by the way. Okay. I realized that I photographed it because I wanted to show it to my wife. Oh, I can't text it to you because I'm in airplane mode. After we're done, I will text it to you. Okay, great. And she was basically just like, who gives a shit about that? (laughs) I will say that this might bring you, I don't, comfort is the wrong word because I don't get the sense that you are needing comforting regarding this. But I remember talking to another mother who is also, actually, I can say who it is. It was Christina P who's been on my show frequently. And this was like, uh, I don't know, a few months after the baby had come, or maybe it was even before I'd had my baby. And she was just talking about her experience being a a mom with a relatively young kid. And she was saying that it had, it made it so that she stopped thinking about herself all the time. And it sort of gave her a better sense of priorities. And in terms of work, it even had helped her career because now she like just does the stuff she wants to do. And I remember a few months after Elliot being born, feeling like, okay, when am I going to be transformed? Because I'm still the same, like, petty person I was before. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I don't don't know if that transformation happens for everyone. In many ways, I feel like the same person. Yeah. Um, But to me, the changes have been smaller. Like, two days after Ellis was born, I went to work. We had our first shoot of this series that was a one-day shoot, and I was like, I'm going to be at the first shoot. How did I all sort of a function of like, like, uh, not, not good. Um, but it was really one day of work and then I left. Um, but, and I, maybe I have mixed feelings about going, but it was like the first shoot of a series and it was really hard for me to not be there. Um, and I also didn't know the rest of the series was going to be put on hold. Mm -hmm. Um, but when I was leaving the shoot that night, I was in my car and and I was excited to go see my baby. And I never had any thought like that in my life. I mean, I leave work and I'm like excited to go home and play guitar or listen to records or cook dinner. And I was like, I can't wait to get home and see the baby. Oh, that's so sweet. And it was like just this amazing rush of emotion came over me. And those kinds of things have been more transformative for me than any like core transformation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I feel like very protective of him, but I'm sort of like a protectory person anyway. Right. It's just sort of been magnified. Um, but I felt nothing about stepping into parenthood has felt alien to me, except for just some of the technical shit I didn't know. Uh-huh. Like they gain, they lose weight after their birth weight. Right. And like, here's how you have to deal with like, it turns out if the diapers don't go into a special thing, they smell really bad. And Sometimes Um, even if they go into a special thing, they smell really bad. Right. Um, Just that kind of stuff has been more about adjusting, but the actual like lifestyle part of it so far has not been a challenge. Granted, like I've started to think about like, I'd like to go fishing soon and that kind of shit. Mm -hmm. But so far it all feels very natural to me. I have so many, I have so many more, more questions, but first, since we're talking about medical stuff, I need to, to tell you, about figs. A nurse walks about five miles per shift. Doctors can work up to 80 hours per week, all on top of devoting themselves to our well-being. Uh, figs, they make uh, medical scrubs, uh, is an incredible company that's doing something 
about it. They design medical apparel that looks good, feels good, and helps medical professionals perform at their best no matter what their day throws at them. Fig scrubs are packed with tons of features and functionality. They've created their own fabric that's antimicrobial, anti-wrinkle, moisture-wicking, full of stretch, and ridiculously soft. And it has tons of pockets. Some of their styles include over 10 pockets, which is an, is, ama- is amazingly useful when you have a stethoscope, pens, a pen light, scissors, tape, alcohol pads, sanitizer, snacks, more snacks. Mm-hmm. You get the idea. And they look good. They come in a ton of different colors and styles from classic V-knit neck tops and straight leg pants to more fashion forward collared shirts and jogger pants. Look, it is for medical professionals, but you don't have to be a medical professional to wear this stuff. Um, both Allie Ward, who's been a frequent guest on my show, and I were tempted to get ourselves lab coats. Uh, I didn't get one. I ended up just getting a hoodie, which I love. Also, Daniel has a hoodie, which he loves. He wore it just the other day. Um, listeners of Allison Rosen's new best friend are getting 15% off for a limited time. Go to wearfigs, W-E-A-R-F-I-G-S.com. Again, wearfigs.com, W-E-A-R-F-I-G-S.com and enter code bestfriend15 at checkout. Again, that's code bestfriend15 at checkout, wearfigs.com. Okay. So much to say. So Greg, tell me about the labor. Like, how did she know she was in labor? I mean, we started doing 511 and 411. You remember that? The counting the time in between contractions? It's like four minutes apart, lasting one minute for one hour or something like that. Does that seem right? Yeah. That's how you, I think that's how you know, like, when to go to the hospital. But I mean, because when I went into labor, so my first time I was induced, so I never experienced going into labor. And then my second time I did go into labor at home. Um, but I actually texted my mom and I said, I'm having really bad cramps. I can't think right now, but I didn't think it was labor. I thought it was like diarrhea or something. Like I, I didn't rec- even though Daniel recognized it as labor, but I didn't at the beginning. So did she know? She knew. And we had already been to a bunch of birthing classes at that point, And we, I mean, there was some denial at first, right? But yeah, I mean, we figured out pretty quickly. We also had a doula who was on speed dial, speed dial, like that's still a thing. We're speed <laughs> oh, which but number on your thing. speed dial, of your 20 right. speed dial was she? Man, do I have a deep Rolodex over here. Um, <laughs> and so we knew pretty quickly. I mean, you, and it got like, contractions got painful and um, we knew she was in labor. It was mm-hmm. pretty, I went to work actually. I sound like such a horrible person, but I had been, it had been so programmed into me that she was going to labor for a really long time at work. But that morning I was like, I'm going to go and get two hours of work in, have a staff meeting and just say like, here's what's happening. Talk to you in a couple of days. And then I bolted home. We labored at home for the rest of the day. And then we went to the hospital at like six or something like that. I feel like the timing of your job is not ideal. Now, I say that with the uh, awareness that everyone's job is super fucked right now because of lockdown. But just in an ideal world, those would not have overlapped like that, right? Yeah, sure. In an ideal world, I would have like had a really good year last year and I would have taken all this time off and we wouldn't have moved and my cat wouldn't have got cancer and we wouldn't have had... Um, We sat up a lot at night just sort of like trying to figure out how we were going to get through all of this. Mm -hmm. I'm really underselling how difficult it was. No, you're not. I mean, I don't think you are. I get it. I mean, I mean, I know like in the grand scheme of things, like neither of us was ever really sick. And, 
Um, we had a place to live and, and all that stuff, but it was incredibly stressful and incredibly challenging. And I didn't want to be working when I was, but I was grateful to have a job. And I didn't want to be not living in our house, but I was grateful to, that we had a place to go. There is and, a huge, I mean, you alluded to it before, but in, in, I feel like I just to uh, address your concerns that you're not making it as clear as you could. And that if people aren't quite getting how stressful it was, I think they are. Um, there is a like very deep biological urge to nest when a baby yeah. is coming and both people have it. Um, so and I get it. Throughout that entire nesting urge, I was just like packing up boxes and evacuating our house. Yeah. To be displaced and, feels very un- unsafe and wrong at that time. Yeah. And I'm really telling you about one third of the drama with the house. Cause I almost like, there's so many people involved. I don't want to get into it, but it was, you had terrible. some near altercations, right? We just, it was bad. Yeah. Um, and we, so all I can tell you is like, none of it was ideal. And part of me thinks like this baby just wanted to see how tough we are. Hmm. Like it felt like part of some cosmic plan, a cosmic test maybe is the right way to put it. Mm -hmm. And, and then recently, like we've been back in our house and back in our bed and our cat is there and our baby is healthy and like pandemic aside, we did pull through a lot of it, you know? Um, And yeah, work has been really hard. But I have a job and I'm grateful to have a job. A lot of people don't have jobs. I had to lay off a bunch of people. You know, it's not a fun time in television to be looking for a job. So I'm just trying to be as like grateful as I can and take things in into perspective. Question for you. During all that stress, this is a question about both how you and Ayala deal with it. Like, did you, f- how did you feel? Did you feel angry, sad, anxious? No, I dealt with it by trying to pretend like we were going to be okay the whole time. I dealt with it by continually saying like, this is not big of a deal. This is not big of a deal. This is not big of a deal. Okay. We have to move this weekend. I'm just going to load everything into the truck and get us out of here. I dealt with it like more pragmatically than I wish I had. Why, why do you wish you had dealt with it less pragmatically? Because I feel like I was so in self-defense mode for our family that I wasn't as compassionate as, as I wish I had been. To but my Ayala. entire objective was just like, I'm going to get us out of this house. I'm going to get a job. I'm going to find us a place to live. I'm going to get us a place to put the baby when it's born. Like I was so task oriented that it was difficult for me to be like present. Does that make sense? Totally. Like every day was just like, I'm going to get up at six in the morning and pack boxes until nine. Then I'm going to go to work and then I'm going to come home and I'm going to go to the storage space until 10. And then I'm going to go to bed. I'm going to get up the next morning and I'm going to do like just, Every day like that for, for three months. Mm-hmm. And how did it affect her? What, what was her like go-to emotional state? I mean, it sucked for her. I don't want to like get into too much what it was like for her, honestly, because I don't know how much she would want me to talk about it. Okay. But it sucked. I remember being nine months pregnant and just wanting to sit there and like cradle your baby in like soft afternoon light or whatever. <laughs> but imagine you're doing that and like you're in someone else's house. Right. And you don't have any of your stuff. And your cat is in the hospital and your husband is at work and it sucked. It sucked. Um, And I started to have some concern, like, how is this, what sort of like existential impact or whatever is this going to have on our baby? Right. And it doesn't appear to have had any, like he's, 
I was so worried the stress was going to do something physically or emotionally to him. He just seems like a great, happy baby. How old is he now? He is 20. He's three weeks old. Oh. Yeah. And he's great. So the very worst case scenario was your baby's not healthy and our baby's healthy. That's super all I give a shit about. Super all I give a shit. I feel grateful. I think, uh, my grandfather used to say something to me. I'm very like wistful about all this shit, but he used to say like on the worst day of every year, you should give as much money as you can to charity. Mm -hmm. Meaning like to remind yourself that your worst day is not that bad. Right. And I've really felt like that repeatedly. Like we went through bad stuff, but it was not that bad. Can I ask you uh, a a deep and probing question? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know that it's that probing. No, Um, please. How, so you lost, you lost your dad last two years ago? Two years ago. And oftentimes having a baby can, can bring up the grief. Um, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's what I ask. And also um, when my dad was really sick, he kind of looked like a baby. Mm. And, Ellis kind of looks like my dad. So there, yeah, it's brought a lot of that up and a lot of like, Oh, I wish my dad was alive to meet this kid. And yes, a lot of that has happened. Mm -hmm. That has been not omnipresent, but has been present. That has, that has um, inevitably happened. And some of it is bittersweet and some of it is sad. And some of it I've actually managed to frame as happy, but of course, like I wish my dad would get to meet my kid, but he didn't. I've heard that it can be a, it can be very tough for people because there's, and I don't know if you had this, but there's this fantasy that some of the grief will go away when you have a baby because all of a sudden there's this new thing to love that'll like fill up the empty spot. But then the, but the truth is that it actually makes the grief more poignant for a a time. It didn't definitely didn't make any of the grief about my father go away, but it reframed some of it, I would Mm say. Um, and I, you feel in some regard, like part of your father is alive again. Does that make sense? Yeah. That like part of like, he is in so far as my father is like a, like a spiritual thing that survives generations that through this child, like part of him is alive again. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It does. That doesn't, I don't mean that to sound creepy, but I mean like he, Ellis is like part of the legacy of my dad or part of the story of my dad. Yeah. Um, so to, to that extent, there's something really sweet about it. Craig, it has been so nice catching up with you. Uh, you know, I did the Thursday show with Jenna and Al and you I were know. missed. I know. We sang I know. the fruit I, song. I really wish I could have done that too. It just like happened on a day when I just could not do stuff, but I miss Jenna and Al too. I meant to send, I should send Jenna and Al a picture of the baby. Um, Jenna, and Al always seemed really excited for me to have a kid. Yeah. Um, so I should I should probably reach out to them, but I wish I had done that. Well, um, if this lockdown goes on, as I said on the show, if this lockdown goes on for a long time, maybe if you're available, we can try to do one in the future with everyone. Okay. I have like a couple more busy weeks. And then obviously I'm not like that busy, um, but I have a couple more busy weeks. And then I don't know what's going to happen in my life after that. I don't. I have no idea. And we I'm should... Like, 
we should tell everyone you and i are going to do a patreon episode now so if you need more greg heller we are answering your questions on patreon and that will go up probably around the time this one goes up so there's more greg heller over on patreon patreon.com slash allison rosen follow me on twitter and instagram at allison rosen listen to my other podcast childish allisonrosen.com for everything else um i'm on cameo and greg what would you like to plug no, I don't have anything to plug. Um, I just want everybody to like stay healthy and stay in your house. <laughs> That's it. Um, I don't have anything to plug. Should do I have to plug something? You don't have don't to have plug to- anything. No, not you don't have to. Oh, I don't um, have a like TV show or anything on. Um, I just want people to stay healthy. That's it. And be try and like find some solace and I don't know. Oh yeah, I, I, yeah. I want all I that. Ellis, I want all that I stuff Ellis. too. Yeah, I took Ellis outside yesterday and like. He looked at a tree. Oh. And it's the first time he's ever seen a tree, probably. You know, because he's been inside his whole life. And I was like, I felt really hopeful. Oh. So figure out what the equivalent in your life is of newborn baby looking at tree for first time. That's so and, sweet. Um, all right. Let's do our Patreon thing. Yes, but I forgot to tell people, if you like what you're hearing, please go to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review because someone left a one-star and under normal circumstances, that shit just rolls off my back. But right now when I go and I see it, I'm like, well, fuck that. So we need to, we need to bury that with organic, authentic five-star reviews. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Thank you all for listening. I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know and Rosen Show. We had a good time, but now we gotta go. Yeah, Alison Rosen is your new best friend.